Welcome to the Faith Words Podcast. I'm Katie Norris, our online marketing director. And I'm Lainey Brown, senior publicist. Today, I'm talking with Beth Jones of the new book, Reinvent. And this is a topic that applies to, once again, I don't want to say everyone because, you know, there are specific book audiences, but again, who doesn't go through some sort of reinvention in their life or want to? Uh, So Beth's whole book is about um, basically finding transformation through our identity in Christ that then applies to the different areas of our life, whether it is career, family, um, maybe friendships, you know, how we are viewed or um, how we view others in those. And she does it by exploring four questions that are really important and I think um, are going to help all of us today. And those four questions are, what do you want? What do you have? What will you do? And why why will you do it? I think this conversation is really important for a lot of different people in different areas of their lives. You know, you get to the point where, you know, you have kids and they leave for college. And now when you've been, you know, this on hands-on parent, now all of a sudden you're not so hands-on. So you need to kind of reinvent who you are or, you know, you decide to go to college later in life and change your career trajectory or your path. So I think that this book is going to resonate with a lot of people. And I'm really excited to hear what a lot of our viewers are going to think about this and to hear how they have reinvented their lives lives and what they want to reinvent. So whether you're just starting out trying to figure out what your purpose is, maybe what even to major in in college, whether, you know, you're going back to school, like you're talking about a career transformation. Yeah, I think that it really does apply to a lot of different ages um, and a lot of different people. So um, yeah, let's just jump in and start talking to Beth. Wonderful. Let's go. We are so excited because we have Beth Jones author of the upcoming book, Reinvent, and she is here with us calling in. Are you in Kalamazoo today, Beth? Yes, we are in Kalamazoo, (laughs) Michigan. You've been traveling (laughs) all over, so I had to ask. Yes, we have been all over, including in New York with you guys and the publisher. Just super, super pumped about this book and uh, getting it in the hands of all the readers. Oh, we can't wait to share. It's such an important message. Um, So just a quick introduction to Beth. She is a Bible teacher, a pastor, and an author, and she has been helping people reach their potential, their God-given potential for the past 30 years. So she's got a lot of wisdom. Her new book, Reinvent, is coming out this May. She also has a television show on the Hillsong channel, which you might have seen, which is called... um, the basics with Beth, and it is terrific. She's got a lot of wisdom. Um, but today we really just wanted to talk with you all about reinvent and just some of the topics that she covers because they're so practical and they're life changing. So Beth, I'm just going to ask you, will you explain to us what reinvent means in the context of your book and the message? Yeah, totally. Okay. Well, Katie, thanks for this uh, opportunity. It's going to be fun just to share some things. And I want to give a disclaimer, just in case the listeners wonder, I am battling a little bit of a cough. So if I sound a little, uh, a little funny or a little <laughs> funky, it's just that it's, it's going away and I'm feeling better all the time, but just a little disclaimer. Um, yeah, reinvent, you know, we're talking in the book. We just talk about this whole idea that, you know, all of us go through seasons and either we feel stuck or we face a crisis we didn't expect or a season change like a new baby, like empty nest, a job change. I mean, so many different triggers 
you know, put us in a position where we have to reinvent. We have to think about things differently, do things differently. And one of the things we talk about in the book specifically is at some point, all of us face a gap, you know, where we had this ideal self we envisioned. We thought by now at this time in my life, I would have thought I would be here or there. But in reality, in our life, our experience, you know, we're living real life and it's not the same as what we envisioned. And so that distance between ideal life and real life is known as the gap. And it's in the gap, really, that we talk about, you know, God comes in to help us reinvent our lives in numerous kinds of ways. That's so good. Um, And I think so much of our discouragement can come when we're living in that gap. And you talk about when we're feeling stuck and hopeless, there's four questions that we can ask ourselves Yeah, um, that you start out the book with. Do you mind explaining that a little bit further? Yeah, no, absolutely. In fact, kind of the, the premise of the book and especially what we spend the whole second half of the book talking about are these four essential questions. And it's from a sort of embedded story in the Bible of a widowed single mother of two boys, you know, kind of this nondescript woman in the Bible, but she faced a crisis and she had to reinvent her life. And the prophet Elisha asked her four questions. He sort of asked her four questions. I mean, they're implied, these four questions. And the questions are this, what do you want? What do you have? What will you do? And why will you do it? And we really spend a lot of time in the book just unpacking those questions because at first glance, you know, people might think, oh, yeah, you know, I would, I want this or I would do this. But I think God wants us to dig a little deeper and, and really kind of get below the surface and really think about what are the answers and what are his answers, you know, in our lives to those questions. What is it we really want? And, um, what is it he, what really, what desires has he really put in our heart and how do we uncover those? And then looking at what we have, not, not so much what we don't have, which is, you know, our human tendency to think about what we don't have, but what do we have? And then the strategies he gives us in terms of what will we do then in light of that? And then maybe the biggest question of all, and that's the long-term motivator that keeps us in the game, so to speak, is why will we do it? What's the internal motivation to even do, to even reinvent at all? Because it's not always easy work. And we sort of tackle that and talk about that throughout the book. So just going back to that biblical reference, you you introduce the widow to us. And then you also uh-huh. talk about at the beginning of your book, um, the fruits of our labor. And I can't remember. Yeah. Do, you, do you know the specific verse for that off the top of your head? I want to say it's Luke 13 and it's okay. the parable of the fruitless tree. Yes. Okay. Thank yeah. you. That yeah. was such a good illustration because you talk about, they're going to cut down this, this tree and the vineyard owner who represents God says, no, let's give it a year. Let's yeah. fertilize around the tree. Um, and you take that and you apply it to reinventing ourselves and, yes. you know, producing fruit. And you say, I mean, we could actually change different areas of our life that are not ideal that we want to, you know, to see the fruits of Uh our labor in, um, within a year. So how can that, how can that be? Is that by God's grace? Is that by, you know, taking practical steps daily? Is it a combination? What does that look like? Yeah. No, that's great. That's a great question. And, 
It is exactly that. And that parable, I think, is so encouraging in that, you know, when Jesus, when God comes to inspect the fruit on that tree after three years and there's no fruit and it, and the, you know, the owner's just getting discouraged, just chop it down. And Jesus comes along and says, no, 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 wait, let's, like you just said, give it one more year. And the hope is what can God do in our lives in one year? And he says, let's give it one year and do exactly what you just said. Let's dig around the roots and let's fertilize. And the whole purpose of the book, honestly, is to be that fertilizer. It's to help the reader do a real honest assessment, like, okay, I'm going to dig around the roots of my life, spirit, soul, and body. I'm going to look at the spiritual components of my life, the spiritual gauges, the soulish gauges of my life, you know, my physical health and energy and wellness. I'm going to look at my life and really honestly assess where am I at? Where's the fruit? Where is it fruitless? And then with God's help, and throughout the book we do this, with, with God's help, we then figure out how to fertilize those different areas so that in one year, can we see fruit? Can we reinvent areas of our lives, our relationships, our finances, our walk with God, our jobs, our impact and influence for Christ? Like, can we, can we pick an area or two, fertilize, dig around the roots and reinvent it in such a way that in one year we see fruit? And just like the story in the Bible, if there's not fruit after one year, well, then he said, cut it down, then move on and go work on something else. But at least we give it, you know, we give it the old college try and uh -huh. see what God can do in our lives within a, a you know, time span that's realistic to produce fruit. That's so good. And <laughs> every area that you just mentioned, too, is so practical. And it's amazing how you can apply biblical principles to your relationships, um, your career, your finances. And yeah. this is something that you are so authentic about at the, even the very beginning of your book, because you're talking about, um, a season of life that you were in. You've got four children. You and your husband, um, had planted a church and you were living in a house where I believe you said your kids' toenails <laughs> were orange. <laughs> was that because there was sulfur or there was something that yeah. was causing that? But it was a hard season and yes. you had to do some, some reassessing of your own fertilizer and such. Do you, yes. can you tell us a little bit about no that? Doubt. Well, yeah, that was a really hard season. My husband and I, you know, we were pioneering a church, raising kids, you know, having babies and raising little ones. And we lived in a house that was, the water was sulfur laden. So it smelled like rotten eggs. Oh Plus gosh. it was filled with <laughs> iron and the iron was making all of the kids blonde hair, orange, plus their toenails. I was wow. pregnant with our fourth child. So, you know, you can understand when you're pregnant with smells yes. and with, you know, just, it was really, really hard. And our ideal life was not that our ideal life was like, you know, so much different in our mind. And, uh, but in our real life, it was a struggle. And yet we knew God had called us to pioneer church and to raise these kids and everything. So we just had to do a lot of reinventing in that season. And um, it required patience. It required hard decisions. But over the course of time, you know, eventually um, God helped us and the, the church was growing. He moved us out of that. It was a little rental situation until we could buy the home we wanted. And, you know, everything eventually came around full circle. But it's in those tough seasons. You just got to reinvent. Got to mm -hmm. hold steady and just know it, it's like that verse in the Bible. And I think I feel like a lot of people can resonate with the verse in the Bible that says hope deferred makes the heart sick, mm -hmm. but a desire fulfilled is a tree of life. And I think we all go through those seasons where 
we have these hopes and dreams, but it feels like it's taking forever and our hopes are deferred. And it's in that season we can throw away our confidence. We can get really discouraged or depressed, or we can say, okay, God, help me, help me reinvent my life. Help me make the choices I need to make in this season so that I can eventually taste that good fruit because nothing tastes better than the fruit that is on a tree of life. I think we can, you know, we'd all agree with that. So I just think it's hopefully it encourages people to go, Hey, you're not alone. If you're in that season, then, um, you're not alone, but God wants to help you produce the fruit that your heart really does desire to produce. And that he also wants to produce in and through us, you know? Yeah. And you can be in that season, I think, and be so low because you're talking about hope deferred that you need someone to come and speak truth into your life and pull you out. Um, so I, I love that you offer a game plan in the book that Uh is, it gives people steps to overcome and to reimagine what their life can be and reassess the desires, um, that God has placed in their, in their heart. So what about the hero journey that you talk about? Can you outline that a little bit for us? Yeah, sure. Yeah. One of the things we just talk about, you know, as we're, as we're in this reinvention process is it's sort of that classic characters arc, that hero's journey. And um, for any of any folks that have written fiction or read fiction or like to watch a good blockbuster movie, you know, there's that classic character arc of a hero. You know, they've got this big dream and goals and vision. And then usually there's some kind of a setback, you know, whether it's Dorothy and the Wizard of Oz or if it's the Karate Kid or it's Rocky <laughs> in the movie Rocky, there's some setback, you know. So then they need a coach. They need a mentor. <clears throat> they need the help of somebody that does have the experience. And of course, all of us can go to the Lord, but that really is in part why I wrote the book. It was sort of to be a mentor and to be a coach to help people, you know, when they've got these dreams and visions, but they've just got to reinvent to get there. So then the coach comes along and they kind of get a game plan and a systematic step-by-step plan. And here we go. But usually in every great blockbuster, there is another massive setback. It's like, everything's going great until it isn't, you know? And then when all hope seemed lost and, you know, kind of the the pinnacle of the movie and now the the person with these dreams has to dig even deeper and has mm. to be more patient and a little more strategic. And usually what happens in that part of the movie and also in our lives is God is doing a lot of character reinvention too. You know, he's transforming us. We're becoming more forgiving, more loving more gracious, more fruits of the spirit, you know, we're growing and developing too. But then eventually, you know, we have the big (laughs) win, you know, we overcome, we get the victory and they all lived happily ever after. And that is sort of the classic hero's journey. And it's not just on the big screen and it's not just in books. I mean, God is working that in us. And part of the reinvention process that we talk about in the book is kind of going through that journey with the Lord and with the the mentors and the coaches he puts in our lives. Oh, that's so good. I've got some friends that that just resonates to me with the story that they're going through right now, their own journey, because Mm. they're going through another season of hardship and one that they thought that they had overcome. But due to life circumstances, you know, everything was going great. And now it's not again. And they're just, they're facing this trial. And so this is good for me to even pass along to them the encouragement that, hey, just, you know, keep pushing through and God is, you yeah. know, doing something within your lives right now through this. So, 
Yeah, no, it can be, it can be really difficult. And sometimes those are the times you're just so tempted to give up and, you know, all hope seems lost. You know, that whole, that whole thing is so real for, for, for people. And yet I think sometimes those are the places where God comes in the strongest. And ultimately mm-hmm. then he ends up getting the most glory because we all know at that point, well, it wasn't me. I didn't yeah. have the strength or I didn't have the ability. And so I think sometimes the Lord even allows those kinds of things. I don't, I don't know that he causes them, but he certainly allows mm-hmm. them because then he gets to be strong in our lives. And, you know, he gets the glory, as we say, and we get the benefit. Oh, that's so true. And that builds our faith and even the people around us, their faith, seeing yep. what he's done. Oh, that's good. Um, yeah, that's right. <laughs> I love that you talk about quirks in your book, that everybody's got uh-huh. them. So how can we embrace those quirks that we might see at, you know, might be a little bit, um, <laughs> not something that we want to celebrate necessarily in ourselves. Right. Yeah, exactly. We try to hide the the quirks and the peculiar parts of us, but okay. Yeah. So I tell the story in the book about Susan Boyle, you know, we all watched that show, you know, the we kind of had the collective mic drop when she was singing on um America's Got Talent was it is that what it was I think it was America's Got Talent I think so she's yeah singing, yeah and you know and and you could sort of see Simon Cowell and the judges kind of raise their eyebrow like okay what is this little lady got you know and she seemed a little quirky at the beginning but man when she opened up her mouth and began to sing she was incredible and later you know as she told her story and of course the whole world became fans of of hers but when she told her story later you know she revealed she had Asperger's and um she decided she just wanted to kind of, you know, represent the underdogs. And it was like just such an inspiring story. Like no matter what our quirks are, no matter what our little peculiarities are, whether it's something physical or whether it's something mental or emotional or a talent we have, I mean, it really doesn't matter. God seems to delight, you know, in taking the weak things of the world in some ways and using them. Mm-hmm. And um we do tend to see that even with a lot of people that we would consider well-known. When you dig a little deeper, it's like, oh yeah, you know, interesting. They had that, they had that little quirky thing, whether yeah. it was dyslexia or whether it was, mm-hmm. you know, autism of some sort or some learning disability or, you know, some handicap of some sort. So I guess, I guess the point is we can embrace our quirks and let God use those things to reinvent our lives. That's so freeing too. You can use it to pivot <laughs> as opposed you can to use you know, it something to pivot. that you're trying to uh-huh. hide. Yeah. Yeah. Like one story uh, we tell in the book, I, I think it's a funny story. It's just an interesting one is um, there was a guy, we all know the Rosette's thesaurus, you know, if we had a thesaurus in college or something. Mm-hmm. But when you study the guy who wrote that thesaurus, he was like in his late 60s. He was really depressed. He was actually quite a genius and had invented and discovered many things earlier in his life. But in this season, he was really depressed and just kind of down. And so he had this quirky little habit of making lists. And just accumulating words and coming up with all different variations of these words. And anyways, lo and behold, after a period of a number of years, you know, that evolved into what we now use as a thesaurus. So, you know, God can take even a quirky little season of life and a little obsessive, you know, (laughs) list making compulsion, but turn it into something pretty cool that helps a lot of people. Yeah, we definitely all use that too. I'm curious uh-huh. now if it's still, if people use the actual book or if it's online, I'll have to look yeah, into that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's great. <clears throat> you, you also list out several people who 
may not ha- have had their reinvention until later in life. So I think it was Oprah that lost, was it her first journalism job at 24? Or maybe she yeah. didn't get her first journalism job until 24. Um, Harrison right. Ford uh-huh. was a plumber until he was 30. Like there's just several people, key people that you list out. It's just, it's a little extra encouragement for anybody who feels like they're behind um, yeah. or they may not have yet reached their potential and it's too late. It's not too late. There's right. still plenty no. of time. Definitely still plenty of time. And it is encouraging when you see where some other people started and you know what we know them as, but you know, everybody has a journey and, and it's never too late. You're exactly right. Well, talk to us a little bit about um, the importance of asking ourselves what we want, because there's conflicting messages that are out there. Um, I think uh-huh. a lot of times we think that we have to be martyrs in our lives and that uh-huh. that's not a valid question. But I think that there's a right way that we can ask it. Do you could you expound upon that for us? Yes, no, definitely. I agree. And I think it is it is um, kind of a double edged sword. Either we think we have to be martyrs and we really can't want anything and just accept what we get. And it's our lot in life. And, you know, kind of that case, sera sera. And then there is the maybe more materialistic and covetous kind of a mindset. Like I just want everything and I'm greedy and, you know, materialistic and all of that. I don't think either of those extremes are good. And I don't think those are either of those extremes are what the Bible talks about. So this idea of wanting, I mean, so many times it's funny, isn't it? In the Bible, so many times, you know, Jesus said things like, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask what you will, ask what you want, and it shall be done for you. And it's almost like he didn't say, ask what I want. He said, ask what you want, but it's contingent on if my words abide in you and Mm -hmm. you abide in me. So I feel like the Lord's put in safety valves to say, look, if you're close to me, if you're spending time in fellowship with me, reading the Bible, and you know, you have my heart, your thoughts are in alignment with my thoughts. Listen, I trust your wants. I'm, I didn't make you a robot. I didn't make you, you know, some <clears throat> robotic zombie. You, you have a, you have desires and a personality and you have a free will. So, you know, we also know in Psalm 37, the Lord says, you know, delight yourself in the Lord. Mm-hmm. And he will give you the desires of your heart. And I think that's a double, a double whammy as well. It's like, as we delight ourselves in the Lord and spend time with him and, you know, he's, he's really what we want. We want the Lord, mm-hmm. but that at the very same time, he puts desires in our hearts. He gives us wants and desires. And then he says, I will then also fulfill those wants. I think what we do, and like you, you alluded to it perfectly. I think what we do is we try to suppress the wants. Instead of being like, God, this is cool. You're like such a good God and you're so generous and kind. And as we are seeking you, you put desires in our hearts that we can embrace as opposed to suppress. And I mean, it goes without saying, and I I said this in the book too, kind of goes without saying. I mean, that's, you know, that's presupposing people don't want ungodly, unethical, immoral, illegal things. You know, that kind Mm -hmm. of goes without saying, but yeah, I think it's freeing. I think it's really liberating. It is. It gives people the liberty to ask and also just the opportunity to really delve into their relationship with him. As you were saying, like that is where um, you can find transformation and those desires and those wants will align with what his will is for you as well. Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. Yep. Agree. Totally. Well, yeah, I'm 
I'm really enjoying reInvent. I'm finishing it up now and I highly recommend it to um, men, women, anybody who's either you're going through a hard time or perhaps you're, um, you know, you're wanting some sort of some some sort of game plan for the next step in your life. And I would even go so far as to say maybe everything is going perfectly for you, but read this because there's going to be hard seasons ahead. And this just really <laughs> helps <laughs> set you up to really have a godly um, outlook. And it's so practical. Um, I'm definitely going to be recommending this to my friends as well. So thank you, Beth. Uh, I really appreciate uh, all the truth you. you share. Is thank there anything you. that thank you, you for wanna... that nice, uh, that nice endorsement? I appreciate that. Oh, well, I know you're going to get a ton more. You've already gotten some great endorsements. So (laughs) (laughs) thank Um, you. more to come. Is there anything that you want to talk about with the book that we didn't cover uh, that you feel like would be Um, great for our listeners? I would say, you know, I, I mean, we tried to make it a book that's, you know, holistic in the sense that it really will help you reinvent, whether it's your spiritual life whether it's a, a soulish area of your life, your, your mental health or emotional health, relationships, you know, kind of that part of our lives, mm-hmm. or even physically, if people have physical goals or like, I just need to reinvent my physical health. You know, there, there's, there's enough tools and empowering in the book, I think that'll really help people do it. But maybe the thing I would say, probably one of my favorite chapters in the book is the last one, because I really truly believe, you know, the subtitle of, of the book is, um, you know, reinvent start fresh and love life. And I really think what people will get out of it, I hope, at least my prayer is, is that God will just give them an injection of joy because I Mm. think what God wants for his kids, for his people is, you know, we always say it this way. We say joy is the distinguishing mark of the Christian. And there's something Mm. about living a joy filled life that just represents the Lord so well. And when people are in a hope deferred season, it's hard to be joyful. And when they're stuck or frustrated or they're living in the gap and there's just, you know, things aren't thus and so in their lives, it's hard for them to exude joy. But I Mm -hmm. think at the end of the day, God wants us to have a joyful relationship with him and he wants us to exude that joy to the people around us. And that's my hope and prayer for the book. And that's what we talk about in the very last chapter, this idea, um, which we see in the widowed single mother embedded in the Bible. In that story, we do see actually the very end of her story, the last words Elisha said to her is he said, okay, little lady, now you and your sons enjoy life. Mm. And I think that's a huge little nugget for us as believers to be those kinds of people that live a joy-filled life and that uh, we represent the Lord well, and we truly do then enjoy life. That's so good. That's so good. Thank you. Inject inject your life with joy. Yes. I think that is definitely a quote worth sharing. Um, thank you. (laughs) Where can people find out more about the book and where can they connect with you on social? Yeah. Um, well, they can go to reinventbook.co and get all kinds of information about the book. They can order the book, pre-order the book. And, um, and as far as social media, they can find me on Instagram at Beth Jones or on Facebook at the basics with Beth. And uh, yeah, I'd love to connect. Definitely love to connect. And I'm looking forward to uh, to hearing more from the readers and what they're getting out of the book. And the book releases May 5th. It's in hardcover ebook. And Beth just recorded the audiobook. So she has been in New York working very hard um, back in Kalamazoo. But definitely keep a lookout. You can pre-order now at any of your favorite retailers. 
Thank you again, Beth. I hope you have a great afternoon. Uh, thanks, Katie. I really appreciate it. You too. Thanks again.